We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Analytics with Arjun. And man, the draft is finally over. Man, I hope you guys had an enjoyable three days watching the Chargers bring in these new players. I mean, as for me, it was a suspenseful three days watching Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel drop and drop and keep falling until the Chargers snapped both those guys up. I mean, what a first two picks. Now, with the draft over, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of content regarding the players that we brought in. Um, as for my episode today, obviously, I'm going to be covering the draft. Um, if you guys haven't already, I'm sure Stephen, Alex, and Tyler have already dropped their video and their take on how the draft went, so make sure to go check on that. Now, in my episode today, I'm going to be going over some draft analytics, something that some of you guys may not be familiar with. I got three really cool data visualizations and graphs to show you that I found that I think will be beneficial for you guys to look at. Then I'm going to be going over the draft, how I thought it went, what I think the picks mean for the Chargers. Then I'm going to be giving my own grades, uh, what I felt uh, the picks meant, and then my overall grade at the end of the episode. So make sure to stay tuned and stick through uh, to see all of that. So as usual, let's dive straight into it. I'm going to be bringing up our first thing, which is draft analytics. So this graph uh, was made by Lee Sharp NFL on Twitter. Make sure to go check him out. It does a lot of great stuff regarding trades, regarding the NFL in, uh, in general. So right here, we're looking at the NFL draft uh, net value uh, gained or lost due to trades. So as you can see, you know, the 49ers and the Bears are on the bottom of the spectrum. 
as expected. I mean, the, the Niners traded two extra first-round picks to get Trey Lance. The Bears made a great move trading one future first to get Justin Fields. Now, as you can see in the draft, the Chargers are the only team from the pa- this past draft to have not made a single trade. The only team that has zero trades from this past draft was the Chargers. Now, what does this say? Well, I think more than anything, this says that the Chargers are generally a conservative team. And, I mean, it shows in the way they've built their team. They don't go for guys with the off-field issues. They're not going to spend big money. They're not going to overpay on overpriced free agents. And generally, they like to keep as many picks as they can. Tom Telesco has never traded back in the history of him being a GM with the Chargers. I mean, I think most fans wanted the Chargers to trade up to get Panay Sewell. I was kind of for that at the right price because of, like, his upside um, that he possesses. But generally, I'm a trade-back kind of guy. The more picks you get, the more chances you have to hit on a player on a rookie contract. But, I mean, I'd rather the Chargers stay put with the nine picks that they had than, you know, mortgage their future and trade up for a player that, if he busts, is not worth the number of picks that they traded for him. So you can see right here, you know, the Chargers didn't trade up at all. So they ranked right in the middle, uh, zero uh, net value gained or lost from the trade. So not necessarily a bad thing. Um, just they are pretty conservative in nature as the only team that didn't make a trade in this past draft. Okay, so we're going to be looking at the next graph right here, which is the NFL draft team-by-team deviations from the consensus board. Um as usual, this graph is made by Jack, uh, L-I-C-H-10 on Twitter. Make sure to go check him out. Does a lot of great stuff regarding the draft. Okay, now this might be a little bit confusing to look at. Uh, I'm just going to point out straight away, the Chargers are on the bottom of the spectrum. Now, what are we looking at here? Well, this draft uh, graph took into consideration the consensus board. Now, the consensus board is pretty much the big board of all of the draft analysts you see on Twitter. So if, you, if you're a big fan of draft Twitter, this is a perfect graph for you. I mean, guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Jordan Reed, Benjamin Solik. I mean, all of these guys make their own big boards. And uh, some random website takes into account all of these big boards and makes a consensus big board. And now this graph looks at whether teams drafted, overdrafted players based on the consensus big board which means they would have a negative average difference, or they found diamonds in the rough compared to the consensus big board, which means they would have a positive uh, average difference in consensus rank. So, you know, Denver, Detroit, Chicago, all, you know, pretty much found good value picks. And then New Orleans, Dallas, and the Raiders are obviously the three worst. Now, why is this important? Well, there's actually a study done uh, before this draft that said the consensus board can actually help to predict where players are going to get drafted. So, you know, teams may have their own big board based on scheme fit, based on talent, age, a bunch of different factors. But the consensus big board made up of, you know, people you see on Twitter can actually help to decide where players go. And, you know, picking below the average consensus isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just questionable because the consensus can actually predict where a player should go rather where they are picked. So. Right off the bat, I mean, the Chargers are pretty low when it comes to this graph. But, you know, the first two picks that they made, Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel, I don't think really factor into this. I think Rashawn Slater went actually a little bit later than expected. 
compared to the big board. Asante Samuel definitely went a little bit later compared to where he was on the big board. I'm pretty sure he was ranked in the late 20s, maybe early 30s. And for him to go out pick 47, I mean, that was a steal. I think the Chargers' value here is brought down by the Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty pick. Palmer obviously viewed as like a fourth, maybe early fifth-round prospect. McKitty was a fifth, sixth-round prospect. But again, there are some deficiencies with the consensus board, right? The consensus board is ranking players based on talent, right? So Trevor Lawrence was the undoubtedly number one player in this class. But number two and three and four, I mean, you could have it in any order. It would be somewhat of like a Kyle Pitts, Panacea, and Jamar Chase, right? That's the two, three, and four. But the draft didn't play out that way. One, two, and three are all quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are valued more than any other position on the field, right? So teams will draft a quarterback at a higher pick based on uh, what they feel is necessary for the team to win rather than what the consensus board says. So that's why, you know, uh, San Francisco, uh, they are, um, you know, that's why they drafted Trey Lance because they had a need at quarterback, right? That's why they're right above the Chargers right here. So they overdrafted a little bit, but they needed a quarterback. So this graph, it has a lot of great stuff in it, but also taking into consideration the consensus board is ranking players based on talent. But teams don't draft for talent. They draft to maximize wins, right? You're not drafting Trey Lance to maximize his talent. If you maximize his talent and go 0-16, what's the point? You're drafting him to maximize the number of wins you feel he can bring your team. So I hope this graph was insightful, and I'm going to go to our last graph. This is one of my favorite graphs to look at that I found on Twitter. Benjamin Robinson, guys, make sure to go look at his Twitter page. Awesome stuff. He actually created a, a website called um, Grinding the Mocks. So this guy is spending a lot of time putting in mock shots into his own database. I mean, and you could have seen who was commonly mocked to the Chargers right, right before the draft, right? So this is looking at that. Uh, so we're looking at draft capital over expected. Now, based on the mock drafts and some other metrics that he's created, Benjamin created a, a, a stat called expect, expected draft position. So this uh, graph takes into account where a player got drafted versus their expected draft position. So EDP, right? Not the YouTuber, but expected draft position. So obviously Raiders, Saints, and Rams um, – the three worst teams in terms of drafting players versus their EDP and the bears, the Broncos and the Patriots are the three best teams in terms of EDP. Now, again, um, the Patriots, I think it, it's a tough one to really evaluate because Mac Jones was commonly mocked to the Niners that whole month of March and early April until the Trey Lance stuff started coming out. Christian Barmore was supposed to be this first round lock, right? But apparently everyone hated the D tackle class. So the Patriots value was brought up because of media reports, but overall this is a really awesome graph to look at because, you know, NFL analysts and uh, draft Twitter people mock uh, players to teams that they've heard rumors of from NFL insiders within, you know, the organization or sources that they have. Right. So the chargers uh, did have a negative uh, draft capital over expected. Again, I would expect Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty to bring down this value. Now, I would like to point out for this graph and the graph that I just showed before, we should be mainly thinking of rounds one through three. I think four through seven, most people don't really know uh, players in rounds four through seven. Day three is mainly a crapshoot, right? You're getting special teams players. 
And if they develop into a starter, great. But days one and two are really the the way that people evaluate drafts. They're really the th- the dra- the rounds that people mock most commonly. So really just focus on rounds one through three when looking at these graphs. So Josh Palmer, Trey McCready did bring down these picks, but again, it should not undermine the value the Chargers got with Rashawn Slater and uh, Asante Samuel Jr. So I hope you, you guys really like this, these graphs. Uh, they were super helpful to me when I was trying to evaluate, you know, did the Chargers reach, did they not? Um, and I'm going to be going into whether I think they did reach or whether I think they didn't right now. So I'm going to be giving my grades for the Chargers uh, based on this past draft. So let's just dive straight into it. Day one, Rashawn Slater, boom, A plus grade. Guys, when I saw Rashawn Slater fall past the Panthers and they took J.C. Horn, I was like, okay, Broncos don't need a lineman. Um, Eagles traded up. I don't think they need a lineman because they're going to get back a bunch of guys uh, from injury. The the Bears traded up. They didn't trade up for alignment. And then the Cowboys. The Cowboys were the wild card. But Tyron's coming back. Zach Martin's coming back. And Lyle Collins is coming back. I don't think they're going to draft Rashawn Slater. So I was pumped up. Now, obviously, uh, if you guys were tuned in to Stephen, Alex, and Tyler's uh, broadcast, you know they were debating whether uh, Staley and Telesco were going to value the arm length stuff. To me, I mean, Rashawn Slater is just is the second best uh, offensive tackle prospect in the class. I think right now he's the best pass protector in the class. Doesn't offer the most upside, but he's the most pro-ready pass protector in the draft. A-plus grade, home run pick for the Chargers. Now, let me put it to you guys this way. They did not draft Rashawn Slater to improve the run game. They drafted Rashawn Slater to improve the pass game, okay? This guy is not a guy that's going to move people in the run game. He's not a Trent Williams He's not like a Mackay Becton. This guy is going to lock down your best edge player if you stick him on Rashawn Slater's side. And that is why I absolutely love this pick for the Chargers. You let him grow with Justin Herbert. He locked down the best edge rusher from the previous class in Chase Young, right? That was why he was put on the national spotlight. Now, obviously, the, the arms. He's going to be going in some lengthy defensive ends and outside linebackers. Now, we stick him on the edge to play left tackle. That is day one. If he fails in year one and year two, move him inside. He could be Zach Martin. That was one of his player comps, right? But you play him outside. You play him at the the, uh, offensive line's most valuable position and see if he succeeds at there. At worst, if he's an average left tackle, that's better than what we were getting from Sam Tevy, from Trent Scott, and from Russell Okung these past four years. Okay? So day one, A+. Day two, let day two really be assigned or defined by Asante Samuel Jr. What a pick for the Chargers. Now, I think there's a there's a notion that the Chargers are going to be running this man-heavy scheme under Brandon Staley. I agree that there's going to be more man under Staley than we saw under Gus Bradley, who ran cover three and prevent almost every single play, uh, especially when the Chargers were winning. But the whole point of Staley's disguise is to mix up zone coverages. It's not really a man-based coverage. It's zone coverages that he really wants to mix up. Because you have cover three, cover four, cover two, cover six. You have bracket defense. You have a ton of different zone coverages you can play. But when you're playing man, right, imagine the camera is the receiver and I'm the defender. You're facing 
the receiver. You're locking your eyes on the receiver or you're looking at your, their hips, right? You're trying to see where they go. But when you're playing zone, you're also looking at the quarterback, right? So you can the quarterback won't be able to tell what defense you're playing if you're in zone and if you disguise it well enough, which is something Staley does exceptionally. Asante Samuel is the perfect cornerback for this defense. Honestly, I like Asante Samuel more in this defense than J.C. Horn. That might be a hot take. You can save that. Uh, but Asante Samuel, awesome pick. I was jumping out of my seat when I saw they picked him. Uh, I know some fans might have wanted JOK. Um, I just don't see a fit for him right now in this defense. And we we had a legitimate need at outside corner. And, I mean, worst case uh, scenario, Asante Samuel moves inside and plays the slot, and we go for corner next draft as well. Um, but I think he's going to hold up well outside, and that was just an awesome pick. Okay, now Josh Palmer and Trey McKitty. At the time, I think every single Chargers fan, podcast, uh, analyst, just didn't really like the pick of Josh Palmer. They said it was a reach. He's a fourth-round talent. We didn't have a need at receiver. Let me, let me explain this to you. If you go back and you watch that Saints game, right, after that first drive where Keenan Allen caught the touchdown and he left due to back spasms, this is how the drives went, right? It was touchdown, three and out, touchdown, three and out, touchdown, three and out. And the touchdown drives, this is how it went. The first, one of the touchdown drives after uh, Keenan caught the touchdown was a Nasir Adderley pick, and the Chargers started from the one-yard line, okay? The one-yard line. Another drive. Uh, Herbert throws like a 50-yard bomb to Jalen Guyton, and he gets tackled inside like the 10. They score from there, right? So all they needed was one pass to go 50 yards. Another drive they scored a touchdown was the 60-yard uh, touchdown throw from Herbert to Mike Williams. They couldn't move the ball if efficiently down the field when Keenan was out. They didn't have that third receiver. You know, they didn't have another uh, separation guy. Everyone wanted Anthony Schwartz. I know uh, some guys on Twi- Chargers Twitter like Chutu Atwell, Jalen Waddle, but they don't. They didn't need a speed guy. Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson run sub four three fives. Why are we getting? Why should we get another four three guy? We need another guy that can separate, that can play outside, and if Keenan or Mike are hurt, they can replace either one of them. And I think Josh Palmer fits that perfectly. Six one, physical, inside outside flexibility. From what I heard, you know, I don't, I'm not a film watcher, and I didn't get a lot of time to watch Josh Palmer, a willing run blocker, and someone who can win jump balls. We all know Mike Williams misses time almost every single game, hasn't really been able to stay healthy throughout a full 16-game season. And when he's out, there is a noticeable uh, difference in the way the Chargers operate, much more conservative. You're not going to see more deep, like as many deep balls and jump balls, 50-50 balls, right? Josh Palmer changes that. And if Mike Williams leaves, Josh Palmer steps in. We're not just thinking of 2021. If you think we're going to compete in 2021, I think we can, but it's not a realistic goal. We should be focusing on 2022 and the future. And I think Josh Palmer is an excellent pick for that. Now, Trey McKitty will admit this was a reach for a position of need. This wasn't a best player available pick, but they needed a blocking tight end. Tommy Tremble was the hot name going around Chargers Twitter from Notre Dame, able run blocker, but the Panthers scooped him scooped him up before we did, right? So this was, in my opinion, a reach, but they did fill a need, and they needed a blocking tight end, something Jared Cook, Stephen Anderson, and Donald Parham weren't able to do. So I gave this grade an A-. 
Now, some people gave this, uh, this day a little bit lower, and I'm going to be explaining why it's an A minus right after I explain day three. So day three, uh, straight off the bat, this was a special teams day, which is not, which is nothing to complain about. If you complain about day three and saying, oh, the Chargers, they didn't go after guys like Trey Smith. They could have taken a chance on him. No. Guys, the Chargers had the second worst special teams over the past decade. If you don't think they needed a change, then, I mean, you need to reevaluate how bad the Chargers special teams was last year. And I listened to almost every single press conference from these players when I had the time. All of them said that they are willing to contribute on special teams. Telesco in his press, press conference literally said these guys have to earn a spot on special teams, then they'll get to move to offense and defense, which is the way to go. Okay? So I'll just run through it real quick. Chris Rump. From what I understand, he's a really intriguing pass rusher. He's very light, so he's not going to be a guy that can stop the run. Um, but he's he's a developmental player, and we needed another pass rusher. I talked about this on Twitter. We needed a speed rusher behind Nwosu in case Nwosu gets hurt. Now, obviously, Rump is a little bit light for an edge. He needs to put a little bit more weight on him so he can stop the run. But a solid pick um, based on where we got him. Brendan Hymas, uh love this pick. Uh, I think Daniel Popper talked about this. Steven talked about this on Twitter. Just a guy that we got for a really good value in round five. I mean, some O-line evaluators had him in, as a second-round talent. Uh, obviously needed more tackle guard depth. He has that flexibility to play either. Um, you know, just look out for Steven's film breaking on breakdown on that because I'm sure it's going to be great. And Nick Neiman, athletic linebacker. That's pretty much all I can say about him. He's going to be going to be on special teams most likely. Athletic linebacker can play uh, pretty much a Drew Tranquil role if Drew goes out. Um, but you know, Steely's not a big linebacker's guy, right? He's going to play a lot of nickel and dime. So. I would assume Neiman's role is going to be specifically on special teams, especially in year one. Now, Larry Roundtree, uh, just not not big of a fan of selecting running backs at all, especially when the Chargers just didn't have a need for them. But, I mean, he's a guy that Telesco really likes. Uh, high production at Missouri in college, um, physical, and a good pass protector. Josh Kelly, if you guys have the time, go watch Josh Kelly's pass protection or punt punt block protection it was just horrendous right so I don't want to see Josh Kelly in on passing downs uh, unless it's a, it's a design screen or he's going to be running his own route I'd rather have someone like Larry Roundtree in there but in his press conference uh, Roundtree literally said I'm willing to make plays on special teams and I know special teams can win or just can decide a game I mean hey if he if he's willing to help out on special teams go for it man and final pick uh, Mark Webb uh, just seems like a big nickel type of guy, just like a very versatile type of safety. Played at Georgia, big-time program. I know Tom Telesco loves his big-time program, so a solid pick there. Uh, gave this day a B-plus just because of the roundtree pick, honestly. just I don't think they really needed um, a running back. They could have gone for another corner in that position. But overall, a solid day, and they got some really good value. The final grade, I'm giving it an A. I absolutely love this draft for the Chargers. A lot of really good pieces that they picked for the future. Um, I know some fans might say this is a B plus, A minus, or even a B draft just because they reach for Palmer, reach for McKitty based on, you know, the consensus big board or based on their draft position. The reason I gave it an A is because the Chargers seem like they're dedicated to doing two things that I am a huge fan of. Number one, passing the ball efficiently. And number two, stopping the pass, okay? 
passing is more efficient than running. So why should we care about stopping the run versus stopping the pass? Brandon Saley in an interview said this, passing the ball 50 yards down the field gets an offense quicker, gets an offense to the end zone quicker than running the ball, which is true. Asante Samuel is going to stop the pass. Chris Rump, he's a pass rusher over a run stopper, right? So he's stopping the pass. Nick Neiman, athletic coverage linebacker. This is a guy, hopefully, I mean, if you stick him in the slot, he might be able to stick with some slot guys, stopping the pass. And then Mark Mark Webb, versatile DB, can play slot, can play strong safety, can play pretty much anywhere, stopping the pass. And then on offense, Rasan Slater, pass protection. He's going he's gonna to protect, hopefully, Herbert's blindside until he retires. Josh Palmer, another weapon for Herbert to have a guy that could potentially replace Mike Williams if Williams has a down year, Legion free agency. And Trey McKitty, I mean, I know it was a reach based on where he was expected to go, but, I mean, he's just another pass catcher if he develops into that. Or at worst, he's going to be uh, improving our red zone efficiency. And by the way, I know this off the top of my head. Uh, in terms of red zone touchdown percentage, so every time an offense went to, went to the red zone, how many times did they score a touchdown? The Chargers ranked 20th in that percentage. Uh, they scored a touchdown on only 57.1% of their red zone trips, which is an, a number they have to improve on if they want to make it to the conference championship. Uh, Trey McKitty's going to help them do that. I believe uh, just a blocking tight end can help them in those goal-to-go situations. So that was my breakdown. That was pretty much all my thoughts on how I felt the draft went. Just a great job by Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley of letting the board uh, come to them, not making any drastic moves up. I would like to see some trades down. If they traded down from pick 97 and then got Trey McKitty, I would have been fine with it. But, you know, they are a conservative team at heart, and they would have rather just got the player that they wanted all along. So I hope you guys enjoyed that video. I know it was a little bit of a longer one, but a lot of great stuff in here for you guys, a lot of good draft analytics stuff. Make sure to comment down any potential topics you guys want me to talk about. Uh, I'm going to add it to my list of what to talk, to talk about over the summer. And with that, as always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.